Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His words so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. When you think of all this, where does your worth come from? It doesn't come from what you own. It doesn't come from where you came from. It doesn't come from the color of your skin. It doesn't come from education. It doesn't come from your talent. Your worth, the reason we're equal, your worth comes from because Christ died for you. See, we're all dead in our sins, but God, He came for you. He changed you. Your worth has nothing to do with you. My esteem is not my esteem. It's God's esteem. Every person is a fallen, created person, regardless of their wealth or religious stature. And every person is loved by God with a love that seeks to remedy our eternal need equally. Pastor Mark reminds us that when we see a person rich or poor, attractive or not, Christian or Muslim, we need to remember that God loves him and God loves that person with an unconditional love. It's not always a popular position to take, but as Christians, we must follow what God says in his word that he came to love the world, the whole world, not just for some. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 9, with his continuing study entitled, Love All People, No Favoritism. But notice, and you'll see this in a moment when we go back to chapter 1 just for a couple verses, poor people, what resources do they have? You saw from Haiti last week, they don't have any resources. So who do they eventually have to trust in? God. That's why they come to God. Rich people, they have lots of resources. They have friends, they can pull strings, they can buy this, they can buy that. Except when it gets to an area of health and things like that, they can't buy it. Then they turn to God. So that's what James is saying. He says that God has blessed many people, poor, rich, doesn't matter, because they're going to be strong in faith. And let me just say this for you. It doesn't matter what you own here. It's what you're storing up there. Did you get me? Because you're going to leave it all here. It's the spiritual wealth, never the physical wealth. Now, let me read on. And now he's going to say to these people in the church, you're basically poor, and they were. He's going to say, but there's people outside abusing you. Look at verse 6. But you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? Even in the Old Testament, God said this in Exodus 23. Do not show favoritism to a poor man in a lawsuit. You see, James was saying the poor of the world kind of get God's special blessing. So I can't treat, you're poor? You're not very spiritual. No, that's 100% wrong. You're rich. Oh, you're really spiritual. 
No, that has nothing to do with it. Understand, to the rich and the poor, to God, it doesn't matter. This isn't who we are. Don't let that ever define you. It's not about physical wealth. It's spiritual wealth. Now, go back to, just for a second, to chapter 1. Chapter 1. I did get to chapter 2, so you're going to applaud me. Go back to chapter 1, and we're going to finish something, because it's very important. I left it out when we were going through chapter 1 because of this. Now look at verse 9. All of our campuses, Vieira, Sebastian, you guys online, watch this. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. Now what does that mean? It means if I'm humble and I don't have a lot of resources, then I can take pride that when I'm going through a trial... I can trust God and I'll have strong faith because that strong faith is going to make me very, very satisfied because one day I'm going to go to heaven. And then he mentions the rich person. Look at the rich person. He says to the rich person, but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossoms fall. Its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even when he goes about his business. Remember, chapter one was about trials. Let me ask you a question. Only poor people experience trials. Rich people never experience trials. Of course they do. And the poor person, when they experience a trial, who are they going to depend on? God, what else are they going to have? The rich person, initially, what's he depend on? What's she depend on? What they have. And God says, sometimes I'll just bring you low. To do what? Have to depend on God. Now, we've seen that in our world. So the bottom line is this. Trials bring the poor and the rich to be what? Because eventually they're going to have to what? Trust in God. The key is not to focus on the abundance or the lack of stuff we have on earth, but the wealth we're storing up in heaven. By the way, you say, well, Pastor Mark, who's really poor and who's really rich in our campuses? Let me just say this to you. Every single person in our campus is rich. You say, Pastor Mark, I'm on minimum wage. Let me take you to India tomorrow morning. In India... There's 300 million people called the Dulits. They're untouchables. Their kids start working when they're five or six. Loads of rice on their back at five and six. You want to tell me you're not rich? Sure, we're all rich. Let me ask you this morning, why, ladies? Why were you born here and not in India? I can't answer that. So don't think you're not rich. You're rich. Now, some are way more rich than others, but that's okay. And it has nothing to do with our spirituality. Do you understand that? It has nothing to do. You don't look at a person and go, well, you know why we have bias toward the rich? Because we're hoping they can do something for us. Careful. Well, I know this guy is really rich. I'm trying to go to the Super Bowl. I wonder if I can be a friend of his. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We name drop. We name drop. I worked in the medical field for many years. Let me show you where rich and poor really hits the ground. When you go to a hospital and you're going to have to have surgery, when you walk in the operating room, Oh, you've got your IV and you have your drugs and you're all over the place. And they got a nice gown on you for a moment. Now you're naked. <laughs> Thank God you're out of it. You're naked. Everybody's looking at you. Oh, he's rich. She's amazingly rich. <laughs> now, sometimes they could tell because you've had all this surgery and things like that. I just threw that in for fun. <laughs> Here's what I learned because I've worked a lot of medical things. I've, looked a lot, I've brought people that have collapsed. I've been in surgery rooms. I've watched people die as I'm pumping on their heart. But when you go to the operating room and you're naked, we are all... It doesn't matter what you have. 
doesn't matter what you drove to the hospital in or where you're going if you get out. You see, when you die, you're going to go to the ground. You're going to be cremated. doesn't matter. Because right after that, you're either going to heaven with God or hell. has nothing to do with your money. doesn't have anything to do with your name. doesn't have anything to do with your IQ. has to do with the grace of God. Do you get it? You see, but we put all this stuff biased because of this, that, and the other. No, it doesn't fit. doesn't fit. doesn't fit at all. So what does God say to us? He warns me. He warns you. Notice this statement. God says both rich and poor should be traded as equals. You don't look at a person and go like dollar signs. That's why, in case you don't know, many of you probably don't, none of the pastors here know who gives or how much they give. I learned that from my dad. Why don't I know how much you give or even if you give? Why don't? So I won't ever look at you different. Sometimes Christians in the church can show favoritism, as I've already mentioned a couple of times, because we prejudge unbelievers. We believe that they're not as good as us. Their, their lifestyle makes us uncomfortable. But Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Ephesians 2 says that every single one of us were dead in our trespasses and sins until God's grace came. One day Peter discovered this truth. Peter had a bias. Even though, even though he had those lessons, Peter had a bias after the resurrection. He still had a bias, Jew and Gentile. Yes, God established the nation of Israel as his nation, but he established the nation of Israel to be a light to the rest of the world, Gentiles. Jesus showed that. But one day, Peter, he was struggling with it. And God had a man, Gentile, his name was Cornelius, and this man prayed to God. He was trying to find a solution to his life. He was very wealthy. He was very status-prone. I mean, he'd be one of those guys that would drive up in the limousine. But he, he couldn't find peace. He couldn't find purpose. You won't ever find it either without God. So God arranged this amazing dual kind of vision to both Peter and Cornelius. And eventually Peter came to the house of Cornelius. Had to take a long trip. And let me share with you. A Jew would never step into the house of a Gentile. Unholy. Unclean. Peter stepped in. He stepped into the house. He never stepped into a Gentile's house before. When he stepped in, Cornelius did something strange. He bowed down to Peter. And Peter said, hey, I should have stepped into a Gentile's house more often. This is pretty good. You recognize who I am, eh? No, he said, stand up because we're all created. Now, Many of you saw this this week. I got up, uh, I think it was Tuesday morning, and I got up and I looked at Facebook, and, and I saw this crazy thing on Facebook. It was me, and it said this. How, how many of you saw it on Facebook this week? Okay. Get on Facebook. Get up to speed, would you guys? Come. Uh, it was my picture, and it said this. Have your picture taken with and an autograph from Pastor Mark. And I went, who hacked my system? What? That's not me. That's ridiculous. Well, when you clicked on it, it took you to the website. And when you got to the website, it said, click here. What were the next words? April Fool's. (laughs) But they forgot to tell me they were doing it. We had people call to make a reservation. (laughs) Thank you very much. 
You know what blessed me so much after that, though? Seriously. Numbers of people wrote, that can't be from Pastor Mark. Something's wrong. I want to tell you this morning, I'm the same as you. I'm the same as you. There's no pastor here. We're all people. Don't you ever think that. I'm short, but I'm the same as you. You see, bias comes from pride. Peter, when he came, God opened his eyes. And I pray that God will open your eyes to unbelievers that don't live like us. That you wouldn't be biased again, that you'd love them. Peter began to teach them about the gospel. They all got saved. They got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want you to, and they began to speak in tongues. And he's going, Gentiles, like us? Yes. I want you to read what happened. Here it is, quickly. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. His eyes were open. And in every nation, how many nations? Every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of the good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of, say it with me, the Lord of all. Here's what I want you to write this morning. Would you please, we look at all people through the loving, graceful eyes of God. How do you think and treat people? That's the key. Have the eyes of grace and the eyes of love of our Savior. Now turn with me to Acts 2.42. Acts chapter 2. I need to have God's perspective. That's why we have the Bible. I need to have God's values. That's why we have the Bible. About people. There's no special people. We're all special to God. Now in Acts chapter 2, remember 51% say the church is unnecessary. No, God designed the church to change the world. He will never change his plan. The gates of hell will never prevail against the church. Be excited about the church. Be on time here at the church. Come regular at the church. Allow God to use this part of your life to grow you. Look at verse 42. Early church. 3,000 brand new believers, never had a church before, brand new. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, which we're going to do in a moment with communion and to prayer. And all the believers were, here's a key word, together and had everything in common. And as you think about that, what happens every day? Look at down at verse 46. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad, it was celebration and sincere hearts. And because they were so into God, it bled outside the church. Look at praising God, they got to church on time and enjoying the favor of the unbelievers, the people outside. And the Lord added to, the num- added to their number those who were being saved, just as God's going to do this morning. See, one of the great things that God has brought to CCM and all our campuses is this amazing thing of doing church together. Do you know we're doing actually life together here? And if you look around you at any campuses, what I think is so refreshing, we have all kinds of people from all parts of the world, all kinds of nationalities, all kinds of skin color. We have rich people sitting next to poor people this morning. Would the rich people please stand for a moment too? Oh, no, okay. 
We have brilliant people sitting next to the average person. We have those with all kinds of education, degrees after the name, sitting next to somebody who just sweated out, got a GED last week. People from different social status. We have the young sitting next to the old. We have men sitting next to women. We have short sitting next to tall. We have lots of hair and no hair at all. But we're all... Hallelujah! This is what heaven's going to be like. You know, when you get to heaven, if you make more than 100,000, you go to the left. Come on now. You know better than that. And what I'm... So I didn't do this. God does this. We're family. We're equal. Jesus said it like this. Look at here. Matthew 23, 8. All of you are equal as brothers and sisters. Would you just turn to a friend right now? And I don't want you to turn to the person next to you. I want to turn to the person behind you. And I want you to say to them, we're family. We're family. Go ahead. Just do it right now. We're, we're family. We're family. Now, I heard two or three of you ask the person if they are rich. No, no, you don't, you don't do that. You don't do that. We don't care about that. We don't care about that. Can I stop you for a moment? What I just said to you is true. We're family. We're doing life together. We have a God who's leading us. Now, when you think of all this, where does your worth come from? It doesn't come from what you own. It doesn't come from where you came from. It doesn't come from the color of your skin. It doesn't come from your education. It doesn't come from your talent. Your worth The reason we're equal, your worth comes from because Christ died for you. See, we're all dead in our sins, but God, he came for you. He changed you. Your worth has nothing to do with you. My esteem is not my esteem. It's God's esteem. And that's why we're all equal. Same person is dead. When they brought the woman caught in adultery, the religious people go, let's get her. I want to say this this morning. When you bring sinners here at Easter, God help us, we're equal. They need Jesus just like we need Jesus. Don't ever be biased. Well, look at their lifestyle, Pastor. Yeah, look at yours. God help us to look through his eyes. Now, how many got to see the movie God's Not Dead? Let me see. What do you think? What do you think? Best movie I've ever seen. We sent 10,000 emails out. It's still in the theaters. If you haven't gone, go. You'll be blessed. People are clapping, loving each other, just having an amazing time in that movie. Well, Phil Robinson was in there, you know, happy, happy, happy. And uh, he made a quote, and I'm going to put it up, and you'll find it on Facebook. Somebody already put it on last night. But it is fantastic. He actually was quoted when, when a reporter was saying, and what about this Christian deal, and what about all that kind of stuff? Here's the quote he gave. All of our campuses, listen. He said this, my life and my whole eternal eternity belongs to God. Is that true for you this morning? See, I'm here just for God, and then I'm going to be with God forever. It's not about this crazy world. Pretty soon we're gone. My life, my whole eternity belongs to God. Now, you know how all these guys, that, that whole family of happy, 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 how rich are they now as a couple of years ago? Ah, 
How about fame? Everybody knows where they're at. Everybody's growing a long beard. I mean, they got all these kind of things. They're known all over the world. Look at his next statement. All this stuff, because how did they start in old Louisiana? With nothing. All this stuff, say it with me, is it's just temporary. And look at his, look what he's called stuff. Money, fame, and success is what? It's temporary. Some of you here this morning, that's what you're striving for. You got your ladder on the wrong wall. When you get to the top, it's devastating. That isn't life. Then he says this, even life is temporary. Jesus, that's eternal. Could I hear an amen around this? Could we even clap this morning? Could we clap for Jesus? Could we clap for Jesus this morning? Hallelujah. We're not in the business of doing something for here. We're building lives for eternity. That's what it's all about. Your worth comes from Jesus Christ. By the way, at the foot of the cross, everybody is equal. At the foot of the cross, everybody's equal. See, that's where we became a son son and a daughter of God. You can't get it there any other way. Some of you here have never really become a Christian. Maybe you had a bias against us. You think, like, we're totally weird, and this doesn't apply to anything, and you think you're special because you're Christians. No, not at all. We're just like you. We were all born in sin. We had no way to get to God. We had no way to get to heaven except through Jesus Christ. And before we take communion, I want to pray for you in your seat. And I want you to think about it. See, God's looking on your heart right now. He's not looking at how you clapped or the friends around you that think you're a Christian and you're really not. This is your day to change your life. And you do that by saying a simple prayer when I'm going to lead you in. I'm a sinner. I need God to forgive me. I accept you by faith. I know Jesus died for the cross. For me, that's it. It changes your life. When Jesus died on that cross, the two thieves were there. One thief made fun, the other thief made fun, and then eventually he got it. Jesus wasn't saying there, I'm better than you. I love the illustration. What did Jesus die between two thieves and murderers? The perfect son of God was able to relate to them. Why? Because the sin that was going to be put on him was yours and mine. He who knew no sin for the first time in eternity became sin for you and for me. Now, you're either for God or you're against God. There's no middle ground. Today on Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark, we learned that favoritism is not compatible with faith in Christ. We were told to follow Christ's example. Jesus came into the world to save everyone, not just white Americans. He came to save the Jews, the Muslims, the Gentiles, everyone. He didn't show favoritism to one specific group of people. He loves and treats everyone as equals. In his letter, James addresses practical issues of life that are as well as current as this morning's newspaper. You know, in our hostile world, we know that trouble is 
Well, simply part of our lives. Hardships, disappointments, tragedies, rejection, fear, persecution, conflict, unrealistic expectations, financial marriage, and even family troubles. You see, God's Word never promises us to spare us from these trials, but God promises always to help us face these trials. Well, the book of James speaks to many of those issues. It's interesting that James himself, who was Jesus' half-brother, never really became a believer in Jesus until after the resurrection. So we see from James that he struggled with these same things about belief. And because he overcame that and came to faith in Jesus Christ, he writes to the Jewish people that no matter what you're facing, you can overcome the hostile world. A world that really is hostile to biblical truth and to a biblical lifestyle. As we continue through the book of James, we will be challenged as to how we should live our lives as Christians. We will see that love is a verb, and that means we must act on the love that we've received freely from God. We're to treat all people as we want to be treated, putting others before ourselves and their needs before ours. This is sometimes a very hard thing to do, but we must follow Jesus' example to show His love to a dying world. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of James. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Hear your